You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mitul Shah. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Lyndon Heldenbrand about customer success and scaling teams. Lyndon leads Cloudera's worldwide global support and customer success functions. During Lyndon's tenure at Cloudera, he has led multiple functions and strategic efforts focusing on ensuring the best experience and outcome for Cloudera's customers, include launching Cloudera's customer journey initiative, scaling global frontline support, and building Cloudera's proactive support organization. Lyndon, super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Mitchell, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Big fan of the podcast, and uh, I'm incredibly grateful for the uh, opportunity. Thank you. Well, thanks for thanks for being here. So, any uh, in a pre-interview, we were having this conversation, and you know, you were talking about your early days at Cloudera. I think uh, it would be great if you can, you know, double click on that and tell our guest or tell our uh, audience about uh, your early days at Cloudera. I'd be happy to, uh, and and I'm I'm mean, so proud. I mean. I'm, been at Cloudera for just over nine years now, which uh, at a Silicon Valley company, you know, people kind of deem as forever. But <laughs> we've been through we've been through a uh, huge scale and uh, going through an IPO and acquiring other companies, and it's been such a tremendous journey. But you know, my story is one of those where I had a sheer amount of luck and timing back in you know, 2010, 10 years ago now. It's one of those classic you know, follow your passion stories uh, that, that just happened to work out. Uh, in a strange way, you know, as my job is to run global support and CS today, I, I always tell customers I was in their shoes. I was actually a customer before I came to Clutter. And at the time, back in 2009, 2010, I was in a leadership program at, at General Electric and had the opportunity to work on this new thing called quote unquote big data. and. At the time, we were trying to solve some really interesting problems, and my job was to, to work to find a specific technology to solve some, some big problems GE was, was grappling with at the time. Uh, and I, I think this is the right way to approach it. They had these big problems, and then they worked to find the technology to solve it, You know, really not the other way around. Sometimes you see people grappling with, uh, we love this technology, let's go find a problem. And at GE, they have wind turbines, jet engines, and locomotives, all sorts of things that, that were generating tremendously large data sets. My job was to work with a research team to evaluate things at the time, like Hadoop or um, you know, MPP databases, like Vertica's the world we're around, understand what, we, what would best solve these analytical problems. We ended up working with Cloudera, and we became a customer uh, at the time, and uh, throughout that journey, I really realized that working with uh, Cloudera was was an incredible experience, and so uh, becoming a customer was was a very unique experience in itself. I actually understood how to apply this technology and solve these specific problems. And then when I joined Cloudera in, in 2011, 
I joined as what we called a technical account manager or a TAM, uh, which at the time when the company was about 100 folks, uh, less than that, I was drawn to a couple of things. Number one was the problem the company was attempting to solve. Um, Hadoop was originally looked at as this de facto, you know, we're going to really go and address the market of storing and analyzing massive data sets. Um, and, and that was one piece. The second piece was the technical talent that Cletera uh, had in, back in the early days was unbelievable. I always felt like the dumbest person in the room when I was working there. That's extremely <laughs> humbling. <laughs> but I also knew you know, that was really where I wanted to be. Uh, and I remember in 2011, uh, arriving the evening before I was going to interview the next morning, wearing a very non-Silicon Valley outfit. Uh, you were wearing a Eric, suit? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and and Eric, Eric Sammer, who is now a distinguished engineer at Splunk, uh, one of the early employees at Clutter App, met me for dinner. And Eric was like a superhero to me back then. He actually taught my first to-do course back in, in 2010. And that really kicked off the sort of experience of, wow, we're really not in Kansas anymore. You have the opportunity to meet and interact with these folks that, like I said, are, are superheroes. And, you know, a uh, couple of things all worked out and ended up being basically the best decisions of my life. But what was really interesting is in joining Clutter early, and this is one thing I always tell folks when they ask, you know, who should I look to follow? What do I look for in the early parts of my career? I met my mentor about a month after I started, uh, a gentleman named Angus Klein, uh, who joined Clutter shortly after me, and I worked for for seven years. This was another luck, timing, call it what you want, beneficial things to happen in my career. Uh, Clutter hired Angus to run global support. And early on in a, in a startup, you often have support and training and professional services, all, all kind of uh, bundled together under one leader. And Angus was hired to really build this enterprise supporter. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. I had just uh, was very lucky to, to meet Angus and uh, we built a, a, a working relationship and ended up, he, he was my mentor for those years and built me from an IC, really led me to being a VP and, and helped me, help grow me in all those different ways. And then once support org started scaling, uh, we went from four to 20 to, you know, our team is about 550 today. And went through a whole global scaling experience. So the early days were filled with, you know, extremely bright technical folks working on hard and complex problems to solve, talking with lots of customers, being face-to-face with them, which I think is the best way to build credibility uh, and hear from your customers firsthand. But of course, now we're adjusting given the times we live in. But, you know, Meetool, I was I was very fortunate, very lucky in terms of the, the company, the timing, and, and the leaders that I interacted with at Clutter, who really helped help build my career and mature mature my career. How fascinating! That's a that's a that's an amazing story and a you know very interesting journey. But as I say, right? I mean, yes, luck definitely plays a big big role, but uh, <clears throat> luck can carry you up to a point. So, you know, I'm I'm sure luck had some role to play, but uh, you know, majority of the stuff is your hard work and dedication. So when it comes to Cloudera and then, you know, building support function and you, you started building this uh, support function, uh, how did you decide like where and when and how to scale the teams globally, right? I mean, you guys went from few people, you know, or maybe just by yourself to starting with and then scaling up to like 550 right now. Good question. Um, 
You know, as, as revenue starts to grow, one of the decisions uh, chief customer officer or CS or support leaders have to make is, is how do you scale? And it's an extremely important question to understand because it, it can affect so many things uh, farther out as the company continues to grow. Uh, and so those early decisions are, are paramount. I think the best process to go through here is start with what your customers expect. Um, and you know your business best. Are you uh, selling the enterprise? Are you selling the mid-market? Is it a consumer? What kind of business is it? And what level of service are you committed to providing to your customers? And if you map out, what is the ideal experience for your customers? What channel do they most interact with you on? If you have that understanding, you can look at that model and say, okay, based upon this, I'm going to figure out a, a way to scale that balances three things. Number one, talent that allows for the right quality of service. Number two is talent that can deliver on your quantitative needs, i.e. your projected workload. And number three, your budgetary needs. Uh, and then really, it's it's how much talent can you find as you're scaling globally? And this might happen in phases. So in the early days, we knew we needed to find extremely talented technical folks that also had a balance of strong customer service skills. So we hired senior support engineers from other companies that understood what it meant to deliver enterprise-level support. And when we hired these folks, we didn't worry about having people in centers, we hired them wherever we could find them. Because finding that good talent, they're going to become mentors as you open those offices in the future or those centers in the future. And those folks that are that mature, they're, they understand uh, how to operate independently. And that was critical to lighting a fire for how we were going to scale long-term. And then the second phase we went through was looking to establish centers. And of course, the benefits are economies of scale. And as you hire more junior talent, those other senior folks can mentor them and train them. One of the things I always tell people when they're talking about starting to scale globally is really evaluate wherever you're going to expand, you're also adopting that local culture. And I think this is what people underestimate the most. Each part of the world has different ways they approach work-life balance what their definition of customer services, language barriers, cost barriers, holiday requirements. And just make sure you're taking those into, into account as you build out your business. And we, and once again, I think this was a testament to my leadership at the time. Uh, we, I think, invested in, in excellent centers and people around the world. Uh, we ended up opening between 2014 and 2018 a center in, in Budapest and Hungary. We're in the UK. Uh, we ended up uh, investing in China and Japan and Australia and, of course, India as well. And all of those places, it turned out, um, have their unique cultural differences. But the people we found there were absolutely fantastic. And we spent a lot of time investing in finding the right talent. Uh, we got as specific as we could for what we we're looking for. And uh, we didn't rush it. I think that was some of the keys. And today we've doubled down in a lot of those places. And we've had a great experience. So that ride of scaling was um, tremendous. I think a lot of lessons learned in what you need to balance. But always going back, me tool to that original model of what do you believe you need to deliver in terms of an experience for your customers. And then you can figure out type of people you need to hire um, and, and where and what those what that 24 by 7 experience or what your customers are really looking for and how you can best service them. This is so interesting. So what, what, what I'm 
if if I may summarize it, like hire the most you know best talent and the senior folks early on that can train the junior people, and then figure out where in the world you are able to find I guess your requirements and have them mentored by your senior folks. But make sure you understand the nuances of culture and you know diversity and differences. Because I don't think many companies really think, you know, that way or from that perspective. Am I am I thinking right, or did I summarize this correct? Yeah, you summarized my uh, my diatribe there very well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, very cool. So, when it comes to support and customer success, and this, you know, kind of words have been kind of thrown around, and I think in many people's mind, customer success and support are kind of same thing or different. Uh, can you help? you know, uh, our audience as to how do you see customer success and support kind of fitting together? Um, and what is your definition, or, you know, or learnings when you're like merging of these two words, two, you know, two different worlds? Are they different worlds or are they the same world? Sure, sure, sure. Um, number one is uh, they are the same world in the eyes of your customer, but I think internal to your company, they need to be two different worlds. Let me explain what I mean. When it comes to what customers expect today, they expect enterprise software to function much like much like personal software. Uh, the less friction points, and frankly, the less time there is to interact with other humans, the better, whether that be sales or customer success or support. They want the software to just work um, so they can get the most out of what they're looking for for their business. And... I think a shift to the cloud, a shift to the SaaS world, and, and just how fast the world moves today has forced organizations to think about how they break down the silos between support, professional services, sales, especially in enterprise software. Because ultimately, customers don't see these parts of your business as silos or individual negotiations or paperwork. They see it as, I want to use this piece of software because I have this problem to solve. How fast can I do that? And how simple are you allowing uh, that experience to be? Therefore, we've learned that for enterprise software, you need to focus on I think, usability for the customer. And then when there is an issue, prioritizing a seamless experience between sales, support, customer success, and PS. That said, those aren't all one team on the other end. I think they need to interact well together. But I think that's why you see support, customer success, and professional services in many SaaS companies living within the same organization under a chief customer officer, for example. And I think that design, that work design, has really come to mature and come to fruition as a staple in, in a lot of enterprise SaaS companies. So in terms of, of at Cloudera, if we take a few steps back, I think that you know when it comes to customer success, we found ourselves designing what I would refer to as basically a customer journey framework uh, a few years back, we ended up looking at what do our customers need based upon the maturity of adoption of our platform. And we, the way we did this was we said, okay, let's look at 200 customers who are at different adoption stages of our platform. And we went and interviewed them. We interviewed account teams and, and we found these common themes across our customer base. And I would encourage every customer focus org to go do this and qualify and quantify what your customers' needs are at each stage of adoption. And then you take those needs and you translate them to the requirements for your business. And you ask the question of 
who is responsible and accountable for serving each of these customer needs. And then you have a story to go to the leadership team and say, we have a gap here, or here's why our experience with our customers have been really well, and here's what we need to look out for in the future. And we recognize that Cladera that if we wanted to step on the gas pedal for uh, adoption, we needed to go through an exercise that looked at, you know, we, we're asking sales to do things that maybe aren't their strong suit in terms of adoption and consumption and use cases. And therefore, our you know, sales folks or SEs are getting pulled into work on uh, these different initiatives or escalations. And that created friction internally. When you have that friction, that creates a gap of missed expectations for your customer. And so that customer journey we built at Clutter, you can call it a customer adoption um, roadmap, really helped us understand and document what our customers need and when. And then you can lean in and think about what folks are the best ones to serve that. And we invested in, in CSMs because of that. So it's really been a a process for us, starting with our customer needs. And uh, it's, it's, like I said, it's been a journey. And we've been working closely with our product and engineering teams to make sure that we, as customer success, are constantly providing feedback around how customers use our product into our design teams around the customer experience and how that factors into um, adoption best practices. So the net net is, I don't think customers care about what the org structure is internally. They just want the software to work. So that's really where we've put our, our focus is how do we maximize and break down those silos. Very interesting. So I guess now, you know, taking taking that that insights and a definition, we live in a pretty, very different world right now, right? Like compared to four or five, six months ago where we were, where we all were sent home without a plan and nobody knows how things are going to turn out, which is COVID. So what has been the impact of COVID on Cloudera? Sure, and uh, I couldn't agree more. It's a vastly different world, market, uh, situation, economy than we were in, like you said, six months ago. I think 2020 has been challenging for every enterprise business, but maybe in different ways, uh, and for all of us personally. I would say if I start thinking about, you know, kind of our employees first, um, I think our leadership team has responded extremely well, uh, and, and I'll detail some of those pieces here. At first, it was making sure that our employees were comfortable working from home. But that shifted over time to more of how do you make sure there's a balance so that folks are getting a break? Uh, what, what we've seen happen is, and there's an article um, out a week ago Monday in Fortune's data sheet that cited that most people are working longer hours and weekends than ever before, especially in tech. And personal work-life balance is blending together and getting squeezed. It's almost unavoidable. you know. And gone are your coffee breaks or water cooler chats or even just having lunch with your colleagues and not only talking to other people, but time away from the screen. And so at Cloudera, we've, we've really focused on, number one, how are we going to measure how our employees are doing? Number two, how are we going to um, help break up the day for our employees, and then give them time to step back from the computer. So by nature, support is extremely collaborative. 
but we, we for some time have had a flexible work from home policy without ever being able to predict that this would happen. Uh, we were, we were, it was fortuitous. It prepared us for this type of situation. When we first went to a work from home situation in very early March, in our APAC teams, we went to a work from home model back in early February. We did a survey the second week folks were at home. And, and you can always say, well, surveys aren't the best thing. When you have a large organization, they're a great way to get quick feedback. What we found is, over 80% of the team stated that they were doing great. They'd actually prefer this for the long term. And there was really less than 1% uh, that was struggling in different areas of working from home. And that number very much surprised me. Uh, I thought it would be a much more 50-50, 60-40, uh, but it wasn't. And then what we did is we kept surveying folks every six weeks. And that number actually started to increase that folks got more accustomed to working from home. But what we started to see is I started to see more Zoom fatigue. Mm. I started to see folks, you know, they're, they're comfortable being at home, but they're working longer hours. So how do we address that? Uh, I think two things uh, we've uncovered, and I'm sure there's many more ideas out there. And hopefully folks listening, you know, weigh in or provide feedback or comments for how we could uh, improve as, as a whole in, in terms of tech. But I think number one is, We've, we've done water cooler hours or, or coffee break hours. So for me and my org, I have two hours a week, no agenda. Folks show up. We just, you know, we look at, talk about family. Folks love to bring their pets, interests outside the office. It's for a mental break. If there are work things that are required, there's another 38 hours plus in the week for that. Um, and that's, I think, really provided and people bridging that gap of, of, colleagues and and really talking to each other because that that builds relationship and uh collaboration but then there's the well isn't that just another zoom meeting so what we've also <laughs> done is <laughs> right is giving people extra time off to step away and whether that be a week or long weekends but we we have made this quote-unquote mandatory and at first you might hear people say well why would i take time off i'm just going to sit at home but what we found as we, we've done this and we talked to people since they come back is folks didn't realize how fatigued they were from Zoom and how much screen time they were spending and how, you know, being at home but not actually spending time maybe with your family is not the same. And so I think it's turned out that folks are really respected and, and embraced uh, taking time away, maybe even though they can't go on their traditional summer family holiday or things like that. And, you know, as, as far as, business goes, uh, me tool, I think it's, it's picked up for us. And we've been very focused on ensuring as a critical vendor that we're continuing to deliver, to deliver world-class experience for our customers. I mean, when this first happened, we had countless calls, um, on business continuity planning with customers. Um, and, and we did a whole exercise internally multiple times of, uh, business continuity. And uh, that to me says there's such a dependence from our customers on what we're doing. Um, and it's important to us that we continue to uh, live up and respect those commitments. And so it's been, I think, a very interesting experience for many of us in the tech community, but hopefully this you know, provides some, some folks some ideas and I'm happy to share more. No, I think I'm, I'm I'm going to be the first one to steal a couple of those, you know, with that uh, water cooler hours where people could just come and socialize and talk about it. 
think that's a that's such a cool idea. So, Lyndon, you know, our, our what we like to do in our podcast is give actionable insights at the end, right? That something people can can take away, or when people are thinking about either scaling or they're having just too many you know, uh, support calls right now or customer success related issue because everybody's working from home uh, or they're thinking about scaling the organization, you know, or they're even thinking about building a CS organization. Uh, what would be your recommendation or takeaway, you know, for your peers? Sure. I think a couple of things, especially during these times, you need to realize that it doesn't matter whether you're a team of one or a team of you know, thousand plus. Uh, you need to. It's more important now than ever before to make sure you're connecting with your employees. And I use the term connecting, not communicating, for a very specific reason. Employees at home want to be connected with. They want to. They want to be heard. We all get quote unquote communicated with, but that often implies one way communication. And it's important to inform folks, but what folks have lost in being home is that that connection with their colleagues and that connection that they can provide feedback and the company will act on it uh, because you don't get that in-person experience. And the other interactions that really are paramount are those that aren't work-related. The, they're the interactions that cause mental stimulation outside of what's going on with their key objectives day to day. So how do we make this better? I think, number one, you have to get a baseline for your employees. You know, I talked about the best practice we've done of surveying. Number two is you got to set up feedback sessions, both formal and informal. We've gone through and done, uh, just two weeks ago, we did multiple sessions on culture feedback and how our culture maybe has changed, even within our support organization, and how we need to adjust and improve. And then I, I mentioned the, the, the two hours a week of informal discussions, which I think is key. The Third piece is you got to go asynchronous. What I mean by that is now is the time to challenge the capability of having less meetings. We need to give people the flexibility that, you know, if they have kids or they have pets, you know, they should have the opportunity to, in the middle of the day, go and get fresh air. Uh, they, they need to be able to have the opportunity to step away and maximize the time that they want to work whenever they want to work. And that means maybe cutting the meetings down uh, and not having as many. And when it comes to your customers, I think it's tremendously important that as a, whether you're in customer success or support, uh, professional services, you need to make sure you're communicating with your customers. It's perfectly fine to pick up the phone and call your champion and say, how are things going? Hey, let me tell you what we're doing here uh, from our employee perspective to make sure we're doing things in a, a long-term fashion so that we continue providing the best experience possible. I've had a few of this conversation, these conversations with uh, customers. They really appreciate when you explain to them how you're making sure you can service their business long-term because guess what? Companies are made of people. They want to know that the people that are helping them, whether it's you know you're running a chatbot or people are picking up the phone or people are working with them on technical cases, or the people that used to come and bring coffee every week and talk about their use case, that those people are there and they're doing well and you're taking care of them. Uh, because those relationships, you forget customers, 
often have a very close relationship with those people at your company. So I highly encourage you to make sure you're touching base with your champions as well. And guess what? There's another conversation to be have there. Just to making sure your champions are doing well. Maybe there's things uh, mm-hmm. they can learn from you or you can learn from them, right? So um, hopefully, me tool. this is a, a helpful takeaway from those folks listening. And um, yeah, I hope everyone certainly stays safe and healthy, but uh, acknowledges that work from home life, I think is here to stay for a while. And we need to adjust uh, to make sure we provide the best working environment for our employees and therefore our customers. No, I couldn't couldn't have uh, said this better, Lyndon. Thank you so much. You know, time flies when you're having fun. So this was so informative, very insightful. I'm sure our audience is going to love it. There's some some really, really important nuggets as part of this podcast. So again, thank you so much for being on our show. Really enjoyed having you on our podcast today. Mutual. Thank you to you uh, and all the folks listening. Uh, phenomenal podcast. Hopefully folks find this useful. Uh, and that they stay safe and healthy during these times. Uh, Once again, I tremendously appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers. 